Before we start the episode, this contains heavy spoilers for chapters one through four of The Mandalorian. So please do not listen if you have not watched it yet. Yeah, I don't know how you haven't watched it yet, but what he said. Thank you for joining us on our first edition of Dweeb Dive, a podcast aimed at diving into entertainment spanning from new hit shows and movies to the video game scene and everything in between. Today, we'll take a dive into everyone's new favorite show, The Mandalorian. We're looking to do episodes one through four. But with that being said, it's time to batten down the hatches and dive, dive. Bravo 6, going dark. What's going on, everyone? My name is Austin, and I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Connor. Connor, how are we doing this new year? <laughs> Happy New Year, dude. Uh, very excited to be here. Very excited to be on a podcast. I feel like it's all the rage these days, and I'm ready to toss my hat in the ring. How are you doing tonight? Dude, I'm, I'm excited as you. I don't know about all that cowboy nonsense, but... Uh, put it there, put it right around that same area. I know we've been talking about doing this for what feels like a couple months and being able to finally get the ball rolling is very, very exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, but what is, what is Dweeb Dive? Uh, talked about it a little bit jumping in, but essentially we're talking about entertainment, uh, as far as new shows, new hit shows, new movies, video games it's kind of our realm of our friendship where it started um for me i'm kind of a go with the flow guy uh uh i guess you would say a, a non-critic just another guy out in the crowd uh, i enjoy a lot of things i'm very entertained um by the littlest things so i don't have a lot of negative things to say but connor on the flip side not that you have a lot of negative things to say but <laughs> You bring a little different angle. I, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little more nihilistic than you are, Austin. See, I don't even know what that word means. I don't know <laughs> what that word means. So we're already That's off a good to thing, a dude. great start. <laughs> That's a good thing. You're not even in that realm of negativity. That's good. It's, you're probably going to live longer than I will. I'll probably die in like the next five years from just anger. Wow. But uh, no anger today, though. No anger today. Uh, the Mandalorian, uh, as many have also concluded is amazing. It's just so full of good lore and uh, I just love it so much. I can't wait to talk about it, but you and I have been big nerds our entire life. Our entire friendship is essentially uh, just based completely around doing like late night video game sessions and playing Halo until the sun comes up. So this feels very on brand for us. And uh, wow, uh, I'm ready to dive in if you are. Yeah, so... We'll be starting out with The Mandalorian. We're going to do try and do episodes one through four, uh, kind of the first half there. And chronologically speaking, uh, Mandalorian came first, followed by the Star Wars uh, movie, Rise of Skywalker. So that'll be a lot of fun. And we're not just Disney. We'll be definitely taking a look at The Witcher, uh, Netflix's new show. Um, obviously, if you've seen any of the critic ratings on all their episodes, they all scored really high. So it's going to be a lot of fun going into that. Um, but yes, we're starting with The Mandalorian, the newest show on Disney Plus, or not newest, but one of the new shows that was exclusive, uh, Disney acquiring LucasArts, obviously, and they put out their own show. Mm -hmm. I believe it's going to be one of many. The Star Wars universe is vast, and this is just the first bit 
that we'll be diving into. Um, episode one, we boy, it, it's very vague, um, and we'll we'll jump right into it. Uh, with, with episode one, we get our main character. We don't really know who he is outside of what we've seen in trailers. Um, Connor, right. as with your very analytical, critical brain in this thing, what's going on here? What are you thinking? Oh, I'm glad you think of me that way. That's nice. Okay, let's... Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, a couple things I want to point out. I'm already going to get pedantic, but uh, this, while there are a lot of Star Wars TV shows, uh, they've all been animated. This is actually the first uh, live-action Star Wars serialized TV show. There's only been one other TV special for Star Wars, and that was the holiday special, which I will be talking about later because it's my absolute favorite thing ever. But, yeah, uh, the Mandalorians have been a staple of the Star Wars universe ever since the original movies, obviously. Uh, However, uh, their lore... Their backstory has not really been expanded on before until uh, the Clone Wars animated series. Uh, Jango Fett and Boba Fett in their respective movies basically were just cool guys with armor. There's little details peppered in in their conversations. Uh, you know, Darth Vader mentions like no disintegrations and uh, Jango Fett's, you know, he, he says a couple interesting things, but we really don't know anything about these guys. Uh, you, you get the sense that they were kind of just thrown in to be like, yo, this is like a cool bounty hunter. He's going to cause some issues, but uh, he's actually not going to do anything. He's actually just going to fall into a Sarlacc pit and die. Uh, <laughs> wait, so wait, wait, I'm, wait. But So before we go on, do, yeah, so yeah. do you think the Fets are Mandalorians? Ooh. Because I've read, yeah. I've read that they actually are not Mandalorian. They just have the Beskar armor, which we kind of learn about through the show. And I'm, I'm just able to say that name now because of what we learn. But I have read... Yeah that the Fets are actually not real Mandalorians. They kind of just took that armor. They're not from Mandalore. They're not actually a part of what our main character in the Mandalorian is. Um, so I, I just, I was kind of seeing, I didn't know if you're going to start us off on the wrong foot there for a dweeb dive. I mean, but <laughs> I don't know. Well, we never said we were always going to be right, but uh <laughs> Cassius Fett is the he's kind of the patriarch of the Fett family um you get to learn a little bit about him in some of the games and uh he's mentioned in some of the, like the item descriptions in the Knights of the Old Republic which is uh, one of my favorite games in that canon he is a Mandalorian like through and through but the lore uh has been completely slashed and rehashed many times uh Disney was actually not the first person to cancel sections of the lore uh they certainly did the most uh, revisions to it, but it's interesting. It's interesting how that shakes out. Um, I, I don't reject the the theory or the idea that the Fets could be, you know, people who stumbled upon Mandalorian armor and it's uh, something they've kind of adopted. That being said, I, that's like the most. That, that's the fun part about Star Wars for me, at least, is the expanded universe. Is there's so much, and a lot of it overlaps. A lot of it kind of like clashes with each with with itself. It, it it's super messy. Like back in the 80s and 90s when they were just like pooping out books and comics left and right. Tons of writers got their hands on the rights for Star Wars. So you have like the craziest ranges of lore just kind of being tossed out there. Like pretty much just like how uh, graphic novels and uh, superhero comics, the power levels are all over the place. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, it kind of makes sense then that Disney, when they acquired 
the rights to Star Wars that, well, uh-huh. I mean, I guess it depends your train of thinking, but they are consolidating, it almost seems like, in canceling certain canons versus others. But um, so that takes us to, you know, right after, I guess it would be um, the Return of the Jedi, The Empire Falls, Emperor Palpatine, Emperor Palpatine is killed. Um, presumably, <clears throat> spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but so the empire falls for the most part. Obviously, we could probably talk about the pockets of uh, the moths that you know expanded out and, and tried to keep the empire going, but were taken to this little planet where it, it you know the guild is somewhat an organization we're learning about. And since the empire's fallen, a lot of stuff is just kind of dominoing around. And actually it's not a little desert planet. We actually open on a frozen planet. I apologize. And this is kind of where we get our introduction to our character Mando. Um, It's fitting because chapter one, or excuse me, episode one is the Mandalorian. So he comes in and he's a bounty hunter, which I think we've all established our knowledge base along the FETs, they're bounty hunters. This is what they do. This is what all of these guys and these armor things must do is just go get people for money um, to the highest bidder. And he does that. And I think it was awesome that that first, I guess, exchange kind of understanding who our character is, his experience, um, his fighting style and his very cool demeanor under pressure. He's uh, he certainly had a couple of hairy instances happen to him uh, in that first, uh, you know, those first couple minutes of the show. So, anything to add there? You think anything that uh, yeah you liked and disliked um, in the first whatever ten minutes of the episode? Well, Austin, I'll say this, man. You know, before the show came out, you hear a lot of things. And you're like, okay, whatever. Like, I, I was pretty wounded by, you know, Disney's take on the, the Star Wars, like, uh, mainline series. And so I, I was pretty skeptical. But, you know, you hear all these things about, well, it's going to be like a Western. It's going to be a samurai-style, like, uh, TV show. And you want to believe, but you've been hurt so many times that you're not sure if you should. Uh, but pretty much as soon as you walk through the door... And you hear like the sound cue. I was just like, yep, yep, here we are. Yep, they did it. Like, th- th- this is going to be great. Like, I just, I just felt it. I just knew it. I love the shout out to the style of uh, spaghetti westerns. I don't know how familiar you are with spaghetti westerns, Austin, but um, I'm, fami- I'm familiar with spaghetti. It's very tasty. Um, <laughs> westerns, I do enjoy as well. A John Wayne, big John Wayne guy. So, I, you know, I think I can put them together and. Uh, I, I like both of them, so yeah. Spaghetti Dude, that's why they're called spaghetti easy. westerns because it's it's just easy. like Mama Mama used to make. It's just that's delicious right. to watch. Easy. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Dude, I'm an expert. All right. <laughs> Bing bong history lesson. Here we go. Spaghetti westerns. Uh, it's a style of film that was popularized in the 70s. I want to say. Uh, basically, a couple Italian filmmakers, most notably a guy named Sergio. Uh, they basically made a bunch of western films and they have a distinctive style with like lone wolf wandering into a town getting the, getting his work done and being resisted by a bunch of outlaws and that's essentially a good portion of the first season of the mandalorian so i was very happy i love spaghetti westerns and i also love spaghetti so glad we're doing this podcast man 
<laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that intro. So we're going through, uh, he lands the bounty. He goes to what I would guess would be his home world or where home base of the guild. Uh, I can't remember the planet name. I should probably have that for next time. Uh, make a note of that. Uh, and we meet what we presume is another important character, kind of the guild leader of the planet. And he's asking him for more bounties. He's basically saying, I've got chump change left because you keep taking them all. There's not a lot going on here. I can't pay as well. And he takes a bounty from an old empire contract. And this is kind of where we get looped back into what I think us uh, more casual Star Wars fans, it's like, okay, the Empire. I know the Empire. I know I know where this is. I know those Stormtrooper guys. They suck at shooting. Here they are, though. So we get introduced to this character that Mandalorian meets, or Mando, as we come to find is his nickname. And he accepts a big-time contract for some big-time Beskar steel that uh, apparently is a big currency there. So big money. Um, yeah. And that's, it's kind of where we, I love the first episode because I was just like, Whoa, what is all this stuff? But like that tie in for me um, as a more casual star Wars fan, one that wants to learn more, um, you know, deep dive, but still you like things that you're familiar with the empire coming in right at that moment is awesome. And taking that bounty and we're off to this desert planet for the bounty dude i gotta so i gotta i have to i have to call it out um werner herzog is in this show <laughs> like i'm sorry that wasn't i thought that was a joke i thought people were joking and then like i heard his voice in the trailer i hear bounty hunting is a complicated profession and i was like oh like I, I don't know how much you know about Werner Herzog, uh, but he's like an avant-garde documentary filmmaker. He's very creepy. Um, he often talks about how much he hates people, which is why he's kind of my personal hero. And uh, th the fact that he got attached to this pro like th to this project is crazy in and of itself. The fact that he has a huge role is like I, I still, it's like surreal to me that this guy was in this project. Yeah. Um, a cool thing about uh, uh, about his character and kind of uh, how it came to be, uh, John Favreau, who's who's directing this uh, series, he saw Werner Herzog at a party, I believe, and I don't know if this is a true story. Actually, I got this. I'm just now realizing I got this from like the bowels of the internet. So I'm sorry if this isn't true, but I hope it's true. Apparently, saw him at a party and he was talking to him about the project, Nick. Werner Herzog was like, I don't care. Shut up. Don't talk to me. And then he like showed him a sketch for baby Yoda. And then his like, he said his eyes lit up and he was like, huh? <laughs> like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> I don't even know what this is about, but let, yeah, let me add it. And yeah, Austin, I, I totally agree. The, the way they make this post empire, like the Imperials, it's really, really interesting. It's really cool. Um, the post empire Imperials, uh, that are portrayed in earlier books and, uh, expanded universe stuff. Uh, they're a little cheesy sometimes, one-note villains uh, in a way. So I was very excited to see that there's something else going on behind the scenes with Dr. Pershing, uh, who seems to have his own angle on uh, acquiring the baby and the specimen as we know at this point. Um, 
So that, that was all very, very good. And I was very excited about that. But yeah, Desert Planet, continue, please. Yeah. And, and we know we we know it's a baby now, but it's a 50-year-old target is what is mm-hmm. uh, basically described by the Imperial. So Desert Planet, we meet, oh man, I should have all these oh, names, but you know what? On, I dude. don't. The best character. Well, he he has the best line. That's that's what everyone's gonna know him as. Uh, okay, it starts spoken. with a K, Austin. Starts with a K. Just, dude, just say it. This is what you're here for. Quill. Quill. Q U I L L. Quill. Voiced by Quill. the one and only Nick Nolte. What a beautiful voice. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Whatever. Um. <laughs> so, uh, Mando lands. He gets attacked by what looks to be a fusion of a piranha and an iguana. Um. He's getting his ass kicked and. Queel saves him and basically is like, yeah, I'll help you. Mandalorian, wow, I'll help you. I've spoken. All is all is good. Um, he learns how to ride the Piranaguan and uh, I like that. Piranaguan, I, like that I literally on the spot, man. Blurg, that that sounds Blurg, vomit. get out of here. Piranaguan, that's you're a genius, man. Yeah, I you know, it comes in waves. And by waves, I mean like little peblet, peblet, pebbles. <laughs> yeah, okay, never mind. Okay. Rescind it. <laughs> Dumbass. Um, <laughs> um, but this is where the action kicks up again. There's yeah. a little outcropping of buildings where Quill says the target's there. Ever since it's gotten here, this place has just been a shootout, an old western, if you will um perhaps a spaghetti western i don't know if that's a nod to that i'm learning new things as we go but there you go mando goes down there and we get introduced to what might be a character he's on uh some of the trailer stuff the droid the uh, assassination droid i believe or the ig11 his name is ig11 whatever ig11 (laughs) um Mando's trying to sneak in. IG-11 just walks in. He's like, please, hand over the child immediately, or I will kill you. And everyone's like, okay, I guess we're just going to kill this droid. And they get into a big laser fight, and you're like, yes. Star Wars laser fights where people are actually getting hit with blasters. No one's missing. Well, sort of. And there, I love, I think it's almost a new, I don't know if it's a new thing, but it feels like a new thing the infusion of humor into the newest, you know, not only star Wars, but I know Marvel and John, uh, John Favreau has been involved with Marvel and the Avengers movies. And they have a lot of um, humor tied in there. And his character in the Avenger movies is actually a a humorous kind of guy. So the battle droid is kind of a little bit of comic relief because you got this serious bounty hunter and they get into a big Mm -hmm. firefight and he's like, protocol dictates, I cannot be captured. I must self-destruct. And man, I was like, okay, let's chill out. He's like, no, I must do it. Chill. He's like, no, we'll just shoot our way out. He's like, oh, okay, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they continue to get into a, a big laser fight. That uh, gosh, that sounds so lame, but it's actually really cool. Um, <laughs> but they get into a big gunfight, and this is where we kind of see Mando pew, and pew, how pew, awesome pew, he pew. is. Um, basically taking that machine gun, jumping on it, and just spinning in circles, killing every single mercenary there with that thing, the machine gun, and 
the fight ends and the droid and Mando uh, bust that door open and the most iconic, I, I really want to clap yep. because I feel like it emphasizes what I'm clap saying. Clap it out, honey. Okay. The most iconic scene of the show yep. happens. Yep. <laughs> it's an empty room. The tracker's active. They're like, well, it must be in here somewhere. It's a life form. It's in here. It's hiding. They open the, oh. well, I guess it's more like a, it's almost like a, uh, oh gosh, a stroller. And what do we find? Baby, Baby Yoda. Yoda. Oh. All right, Boy, dude, I got to hop, think... hop on the mic, dude. I got to hop on the mic right now. Okay, I got okay, to say do something. It, do it, do it, do it, do it. The, the last half of this first episode is exactly, exactly why the expanded, extended universe is so good it's 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 the reason why it exists think about everything we knew about ig11 ugnots which is quill's species uh, from the from the original movies nothing we know nothing about them uh we know very surface level information about them this show in the first episode gives life to all three of those things in such a dramatic way and the beauty of it is we were all wondering i i, I can tell tell you firsthand when i saw ig11 i was like okay or ig88 in the original movie i was like okay what does this guy do can i see this guy fight please like <laughs> can i see this weird like spindly stick robot like kill someone like that's what i wanted to see and you know we never got to see it the same thing like you know what's yoda's species all about it does it's never been named before like who are these ugnots that are like little goblin guys that are running around the carbon freezing chamber like messing with stuff like who, what is all this stuff i think john favreau really understands that super well and he's like yep definitely putting this in the show and like i'm gonna make this a huge point of lore and i'm gonna explain it and the first time like ig11 like opens fire and you see his torso and his chassis like spinning in opposite directions and like shooting behind his back and just like smoking dudes i was like i was i wanted to cry it was like it was so satisfying as a lifelong star wars fan to finally see an ig series assassin droid like go for it and like, ah, Austin, I was, I was like fist pumping. I never fist pump. I'm not a fist pumper. I don't do that. But when I saw that bar, I was like, woo. Ah, yeah. And if you're like a casual fan like me, you're just like, this is awesome. This droid is doing exactly what you think a robot should do is being yeah. able to just take on the most ridiculous odds and, and win by doing torso spins and shooting behind his back like John Wick robot style, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but Dude. yeah, the most iconic thing, episode one, baby Yoda and yep. any and every Star Wars fan that ever existed that was on Disney Plus and watched The Mandalorian. If you were going through this show and you're like, okay, I have no idea what's happening. I don't know if I'm going to continue watching this because I don't know what's going on. John Favreau got you hook, line, and sinker mm -hmm. with baby Yoda at the end because everybody knows Yoda. Everybody. And now you have everybody. a like baby Pikachu. one. Well, apparently 50 <laughs> years old, but wow. A Relative baby. baby. Relative baby. Yeah, it's like Benjamin Button, but Yoda. And it, and by <laughs> me saying that, it You're literally does not, genius not, again, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> that does not correlate like at all because it doesn't, but it just made sense. So, no, it does. It does. It does. Um, Let's go with it. <laughs> so before we go into episode two, because that's how episode one ends, baby Yoda and 
well, IG-11 is being very droid-like and saying, okay, we got to terminate the target. Mm -hmm. And Mando basically says no. And there's a blaster that goes off. You're like, wow, the show's already over. Baby Yoda just died. And the droid kills over. And Baby Yoda and Mando have a moment. Um, It's like a half a moment because Baby Yoda's like looking up at Mando with some Yoda eyes. And Mando's got his helmet on. So it's like, dang. I wonder what's going on there, but I don't know. So it's half a moment, mm-hmm. but it's okay because it's baby Yoda's moment. Um, but yeah, before we go into episode two, I don't know if you read this theory, Connor, but this is just, this is, you know, you see a baby Yoda, you're like, how is there a baby Yoda? And why didn't I know about this earlier? So I went back and I read a little mm-hmm. bit and I, one of the theories was that actually in, uh, Phantom Menace, I believe, in the Senate scene, there's actually one Yoda species senator, apparently, that is there. It's like a flash. I tried to find it, but <laughs> oh, I, no. I couldn't. Oh, um, no. Is that where this wait, is going? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Just, just listen. Just hear me out. Just hear me okay. out. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, and apparently, so it's like, that's one, and then Yoda's the other one, and, you know, you just kind of put two and two together, and but then you don't see this senator anymore. So... I think we kind of, you know, find out Yoda knows what's eventually happening and he has to try and stop it. Fails, obviously. But because of that, uh, Mama Yoda leaves. Mama Yoda. And has baby Yoda. And this is how it happens. It was one theory. It's funny because I told this to my fiance and she took it all in and she looked at me and the first thing out of her mouth was, of course the woman had to leave her job. (laughs) <laughs> i mean okay okay Victory. hold on all right hold on here's why your wife is uh also a genius here's why you're a, you're a couple of geniuses uh first of all i think you're referring to yaddle who was actually a jedi master on the council um okay she sure. was uh, maybe i this right yeah in the first in the first uh movie or maybe the first time you see the council in coruscant she's sitting there doesn't say anything she's just in the background and then that she's like not part of the movies anymore if we're talking about Yoda and Yaddle. First of all, Yaddle, that what an uninspired name. <laughs> well, you know what? Gimme Yaddle, gimme Yoda, and they made something Yaddle beautiful. Yoda? If it's true. You know, who knows? What's that cup, what's that ship name? Uh Yoaddle. Uh, Here's the thing. Okay, 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 hold on. I, I gotta get this point out. Okay. So usually I'd be like, oh, okay, just because there's another one walking around that they must have like, you know, <laughs> made a baby together. But that literally is the only other one. So I guess, I guess that has some legs to it, but I don't know. It's just, I can't imagine, I guess it's, I guess it comes down to me. I just can't imagine Yoda, like making love. <laughs> and well, I don't think you I must. Like, well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Whoa. I don't want to think Whoa. about uh, the pure Yoda <laughs> making sweet, sweet love to Yaddle to make baby. <laughs> I feel like it's, we're it's horrifying. It's horrifying. This is a deep this is deeper this is a deeper dweeb dive deeper than, than I, I wanted to go. This is too deep. <laughs> um <laughs> so that's disgusting. It's disgusting and uh, thank you I hate it so much. You're you're welcome. You're welcome. But <laughs> so so now we have baby Yoda and episode 1 ends. Episode 2 Sire child I will. <laughs> uh, it's ironic that you say that because episode 2 chapter 2 is called The Child. So uh, we'll we'll just ride that transition right into chapter two. 
Nice. And nice. Mando doesn't kill Baby Yoda. Uh, they're walking in a canyon thing, creek bed, whatever. They get jumped by two guys, and Mando gets hurt a little bit, but basically kills them and understands that he's not the only one after this bounty. And if he's going to get everybody off his back, he's got to get back to the Imperials and turn this over. Um, he has no idea what Baby Yoda is. Or, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously doesn't know the significance of Baby Yoda. I mean, what a loser. But uh, <laughs> he goes to his ship and finds that the Jawas are back from our beloved original trilogy, oh, for the most part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, um, Love those guys. <laughs> I, I always feel like they're yelling Houdini, like Houdini. Uh, the master magician. Poof, we made your ship disappear. And then you're just your your ship is literally scrapped. But he finds that out. He zaps a few of them and they just turn to dust and falls off the ship. And then he goes back to his homie Quell. Um he says, Hey man, need some help. Uh the Jawas stole everything off of my ship. And <laughs> he's like, and I kind of zapped like a lot of them, so I don't know if they're gonna talk to me. Well, basically, he's like, yeah, we'll figure it out. I've spoken. Remember that. I've spoken. He, that's that's his line. I that's his spoken. line. Nick, okay, I, quick quick side fact here. Nick Nolte's voice, best voice on earth. That's a fact. That's a fact in there. That's you, in the have IMDb. You spoken about, have you spoken about that? I have spoken. Um, oh, beautiful. Okay, cowboy. I got, I got to pull in the reins really fast. There's two little fun facts I got to mention. Okay, hit us. Number one. Number one. Baby Yoda was almost CGI. Did you know that Werner Herzog, uh, famously uh, referenced earlier in this podcast episode, on set they were talking about, man, we're going to have to shoot a clean slate of this scene, you know, so we can like insert a CGI Baby Yoda. And he literally called them cowards. He said, <laughs> don't use CGI, you cowards. That's a direct quote from him. Uh, and apparently, like, as the show was going on, he kept referring to the child, the Baby Yoda, as like a real person. And like would talk directly to it, to the puppet, uh, which I just think is hilarious. Again, Werner Herzog, my hero. Uh, secondly, wow. the thing he is zapping the Jawas with, Austin, do you know what that type of ammunition is called? Uh, In the Star Wars universe? Uh, Fun fact, here I it comes. Not. Here it comes. Okay, ready? That is a class of disruptor energy weapon. Uh, disruptors are uh it's a class of weapon that are banned throughout most of the universe uh they're distinctive uh because of their yellow like their pale yellow uh color and uh what's interesting is they evaporate organics perfectly but as you saw they retain their clothes uh for the most part so it only like evaporates uh organic you know biological material which i thought was such a cool detail because if you remember when the bounty hunters are introduced in the original trilogy darth vader tells uh, uh boba fett he says and no disintegrations. He is, of course, talking about the Mandalorian's use of disruptor weapons. So I thought that was a really, really nice kind of cyclical tie-in there uh, for big nerd boys like myself. Uh, the well, other thing, it's I guess, yeah. Well, ooh, sorry, sorry. I'm going to jump in on your inner, your jump oh. in real fast, just because maybe we'll be able to talk about it at some point. But Star Wars Rebels, the animated show, which has been confirmed canon by Disney, it does follow the storyline of yep. the Skywalker trilogy. It does have a mention and reference to disruptors that were made by a character on Mandalore 
it's just interesting that you say that because there's two instances where there's banned weapons that are found um, that two characters know one of them's a Mandalorian and the other is a big purple monster basically is how I'm going to describe them. Uh, but maybe we'll talk about that later. But it's it's interesting because Star Wars Rebels is canon, and there's just so much that I learned from that show. Then I'm watching The Mandalorian. I'm like, I actually know this about this a little bit. So anyway, nice. go ahead. Sorry. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, I'm like frothing at the mouth because I wanted to say this too. Um, I'm so proud of Favreau for really. I mean, he might have had some like top level direction from like Kennedy and the Disney corporate, but I, I do think he consciously made a choice to kind of respect and adhere to the lore that had been set forth by the animated Clone Wars series, Star Wars Rebels, um, and even the 2D uh, animated Clone Wars series. Uh, they they put forward a couple different important pieces of lore, and he's definitely respected it. And you definitely see a little bit more of that later on in this, uh, in this season. Um, so I, I wanted to kind of back up too, because uh, we kind of went over the part where kind of pr- pursues the Jawas on foot after their, uh, their garbage... Uh, uh, their junk uh, fortress. God, there's a name for it. I'm such a bad fan. Ugh. I'm a big Don't fan of garbage junk fortress. So Okay, so when he's chasing the garbage junk fortress, that scene, uh, you'll notice that it looked really good. The way he was climbing it, the way like uh, it all just kind of came together. Did you know that that was all CGI? Uh, Besides no. him. Besides the actor and some of the flaps that were opening and some of the physical objects that hit him, that was all CGI. The way that oh, they wow. accomplished that, it's a new technology called uh, brrr, stagecraft. The way stagecraft works, so typically in like, if you're inserting a real human actor into a CGI scene, you would use green screen or blue screen, right? They're like mm-hmm. basically, right, a, right. A, 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 there's a green screen behind them. They're kind of dancing around and they, uh, they make it work. The way they do this is they, they've built basically a stage that has the 3D environment built and rendering in real time. So as the camera moves in real space, it's a real camera. It's not a virtual camera. There's the camera moves around the space, the background, the parallax in the background scrolls with it to like generate the new image of like wherever the camera's pointing. So the actor and the camera operator, they can actually see what's being digitally rendered. Like, so instead of like just acting in front of like a blue screen and like hoping that it's going to be okay, you can actually have a little bit more ownership of your acting style. And like, you can react to the environment and, you know, like, what's happening around you i just i thought that was so cool there's a video that i guess we can attach to this episode um that kind of like goes over that it's 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 just one of the coolest things i've ever seen i hope everybody watches it sorry that was my uh tangent there continue please no well i mean that's what that's what the 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 dweeb dive is for is for diving in on all of that cool stuff and hopefully that uh (laughs) that kind of helps uh helps bring some interesting facts to the audience because it definitely i I do not know any of this stuff. Um, so, but yeah, he gets into the the garbage fortress of junk, and they're going after something called the egg. And uh, it's quite literally Suka! what is <laughs> Suka, Suka, Suka. Um, <laughs> he had Mando basically has to take on this rhinocerosy, moosey, furry. Mud horn. It's called a mud horn. Uh, it's actually called a mud horn. Mud horn. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's like a <laughs> a rhinoy, hairy moose, mud horn thing. True. He basically has to kill this thing to get to the egg, and you're like, oh, he just walks into the cave. He's like, oh, I guess this is the egg. And then classic Star Wars. Uh, 
oh here comes the monster part um but non-classic star wars mando is get getting his butt kicked Ooh, it's bad he you're like oh man he's gonna die we're only getting two episodes of this show and then baby yoda is just gonna disappear into the force wrong (laughs) the next iconic scene that everyone is kind of waiting for because i believe we we skipped it mando gets beaten up a little bit earlier in the episode by those two other bounty hunters he's patching himself up and baby yoda tries to come over and touch him and i think everyone knows everyone knows in their soul that he's trying to heal him right but we don't know for sure and Mando just keeps putting him back into his little stroller thing and closing and then eventually closes it. So we're like, okay, Yoda, baby Yoda's trying to use the force. We don't know. I mean, he's a baby. Can he do it? Mm. Mando's basically on his last leg. All his weapons are shot. He's about, he's staring down another charge that might end yep. him. And this is where we see it. You kind of get that. That silence when baby Yoda closes his eyes and puts his little three hand paw out, you know, the iconic silence in the when the force is getting used, which honestly, now that I think about it, I love because the force is like everything. So the fact that it's being concentrated, basically just think about it, like aligning all the molecules in the air to do something for you. And that's the sound you get. And it just gets quiet because all the molecules are doing something for you. I just thought of that, but it's it's really cool. Anyway. Yeah. So Baby Yoda stops this thing and throws it and passes out. But I mean, you're just sitting there, your mouth hanging to the floor, watching Baby Yoda just shake and focus at this massive charging beast is lifted in the air and then tossed back. And Mando's able to kill it because Baby Yoda does the force and he has no idea what's happening. He doesn't know what force Jedi or anything is. Uh, and mm-hmm. we find out a little bit later uh, about what they think about the Jedi and, and such, but no idea. Baby Yoda just saved him, and he's like, wow, okay. Goes in, gets this yeah. hairy egg, and I thought the Jowls were actually going to do something with this thing, but in typical, you know, <laughs> humoristic fashion, they literally just <laughs> break this sucker open and start slurping the raw guts of this egg while yelling, Maybe we, just can, maybe we can get a clip of that suka in there <laughs> and maybe some houdinis as well Houdini! um, <laughs> um but essentially say, that's the episode say, okay sorry yeah. sorry yeah you go Yo, no no no, 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 no go, go 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 okay uh yeah, yeah, yeah. can i just say <laughs> i love that they've brought back a sense of mysticism i love that people don't know what the force is on the outer rim i i think that's it's such yes. It makes the force cool again. Like it makes, it makes it like this. Like the, like it truly like they're sorcerers. Like it, like people don't understand what, like this phenomenon. Whereas in the other movies, I mean, people were very much close to the force. They understood it. Uh, in the case of Episode One, maybe they understood it a little too well uh, with the midichlorian count. But uh, I just, yeah, my jaw was on the floor too when he when he finally used the force. It was like it was like I was experiencing Star Wars for the first time again in, in a sense. Um, I will say, uh, John Favreau is, uh, he is a known gamer. Okay. The guy games and I couldn't help, but view this episode as like a fetch quest, but like in the best way, like think about it, like go to this cave, retrieve egg, fight monster, bring it back. 
Like, <laughs> it's it's perfect. Level up. It's exactly, and he does level up. He goes to see the armorer, like as we'll we'll talk about later. But it's it's yeah, so video gaming. It was like the the language of video games is like etched into this series. Uh, in my opinion, he's constantly getting more gear. He's meeting new characters. He's getting like little fetch quests. I, I love it. <laughs> more I NPCs. Nice... <laughs> the NPCs, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, basically, he is. Um, so, uh, <laughs> making a note, I put a star next to sorcerer. Uh, your, your your word usage there. Put a star on it. And essentially, uh, gonna have to endlessly reach out and bug uh, John Favreau to be a guest on the show. Is that is that what I'm trying to do now? Is that my life's goal? Yeah. As a gamer and a director now, is that he needs yeah. to be on? Is that what, what's going on here? Austin, if he's not on this show, we are professional failures on every level, and we should recede into the forest for the rest of our days. If we don't have him are on the show by, for one month from now, it's over. <laughs> it's the whole. Oh it's over, dude. So no pressure. Chew on no that. pressure. Chew on that. Right, okay, right. where are we? They return the suka. The little uh, Jawas are their munchin. Yes. And Quill helps Mando rebuild a ship, basically. And that's what a montage. That's it. Uh, he leaves. He he tries to get him to join his crew. He's like, "You're pretty useful. Would love to have you on the crew." And mm. Quill's like, uh, "Nope, not doing it. I've spoken. Peace out, dude." And Mando's like, "All right, well, yeah, my thanks," and flies off. And that's the end of. The Child, a.k.a. Chapter 2 of The Mandalorian. Going into Chapter 3 now. Chapter 3 is called The Sin. The Sin. So we open up Mando. I can't remember. Is, this is the episode where Baby Yoda's like fidgeting with the controls and Mando's like telling him to knock it off, right? No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't do that until the next one, I think. Ooh. No, no, no. This is, uh, no, that's it. Is it this one? The Sin? Is it? Uh, yeah, so they uh, that that actually sets up uh, a really important. Uh, it sets up a really important scene at the like the climax at the pre climax of this episode uh, when he's playing with uh, the little thingy. Oh, you're right because he has that's uh, like the which, bond building. Okay, so I was on on par. Yeah, so um, and, and I'll I'll make sure to I'll make a note to talk about that when we get to it. But uh, yeah, that's how that's that's definitely how it starts. He blows the guy up. Uh, Baby Yoda plays with the thingy, with a little ball. He moves on. He moves on ba- back to uh, to deliver the, the 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 package, the package, as uh, Werner Herzog would say. <laughs> um, and that that's what he does. He goes. Um, he delivers the package to the uh, imperialist. He. This is where uh, we see that I guess the foreshadowing that you just mentioned, Connor. It's not in a bounty hunter's nature, we find out, to ask what happened to the bounty. Right. And Mando turns him over, gets the Beskar, basically asks, what are you doing with it? And everybody stops in the room. It's weird. It's like a weird vibe going on. It's like, uh uh-oh, I've got a lot of tensions happening right now. Is he going to give up Baby Yoda? Are we, is, is this it for Baby Yoda? Oh boy, the Star yeah. Wars world will riot if this is it. And he turns him over. He's like, okay, all oh, right, peace out. Give me the best devastating. car. I'm Audi 3000. Daddy's getting some new armor. We're leveling up. <laughs> Daddy's getting some new boots. See ya, kid. <laughs> that's, that's right. And this is where we learn 
that there's like a secret Mandalorian society on this planet. He goes underground and it's like, oh, sup, Hell yeah. Mandalorians. What's up, y'all? And one of my favorite characters, um, basically the Greek goddess Mandalorian armor leader warrior. So cool. Oh, <laughs> she is like, yo, this is some good stuff. What do you want? And he gets himself some new armor, really shiny, really nice. And he gets uh, what are those things called? The flying, uh, the, uh, the oh my god, or something like the, that. Basically, dude, little we're missiles. We're the worst. It's like the cluster. It's, the, it's the mini cluster missiles that go into his wrist rocket, which is awesome. Singing, singing birds, whistling birds. Uh, dude, Ooh, I, wh- oh yeah, that yeah, whistling, whistling birds. That's it. I is think it whistling birds. I'm like eighty six percent sure that whistling okay. birds is right. I'm gonna. I have to do another cowboy. Whoa, pulling the reins moment here, dude. There's some Ooh. key. Key details we gotta we gotta discuss here, bud. All right, let's do it. Number, uh, number one, Pedro Pascal's acting for being behind a helmet for most of the show. Wow, he really does convey a lot of emotion. Like when he asks after the child as it's being carted away, and it makes that super cute and super devastating. Like Eah! as it gets like carted <laughs> to its like, presumable death. So good. Okay, so the container, the Camtono, the container that he receives the Beskar in, that is the deepest of all like deep references within the star Wars cinematic universe, dude, mm. are you ready? So the first time we see Dive a cam Tono, the first time we see a cam Tono, uh, when cloud city is evacuating and people are running everywhere. This is original trilogy. People are running everywhere. There's like 30 frames of a guy running across the screen. He's holding the same, uh, object, this cam Tono, this, like this, uh, holder, uh, this receptacle, if you will. What's funny about a Cam Tono, uh, and it's especially funny because back then it wasn't painted at all. There was nothing. It was just like the static object. It was literally an ice cream maker. It was a plastic oh. ice cream maker. And the Star Wars universe, like, or the Star Wars uh, fan uh, universe, like, they got so obsessed with this random dude running with an ice cream maker that they gave him a name. His name is Will Rowe Hood. Uh, they gave him a backstory that he was like transporting like like vital documents or information for like the rebellion <laughs> to like get it safely off world. Like there's like a there's like a short story about him now. There was an official action figure made of Will Rowhood. Uh, so to see wow. like literally when I saw the Camtono for the first time, I like spit my drink out. I it, I had to pause. It was it was like perfect. And John Favreau gets major points for that. Beskar. That's the last thing I want to talk about before I hand it back over to you. Beskar was originally uh, referred to uh, in some of the earlier novels as Mandalorian iron. It's one of the few substances that can resist lightsaber blows. That's kind of how it was first introduced as a substance, is that the Mandalorians found this metal and they found a way to forge it to resist uh, the wizards or the sorcerers that they were you know, in combat with. So a nice little bit of, uh, of backstory, back lore. So uh, they just gave it a new name. It was first called Beskar actually in the animated uh, Clone Wars, the 3D animated Clone Wars. So again, very cool to see that name popping up once again. But yeah, the armor, dude. How cool is she? That's like, that's probably my favorite new bit of lore that they've established is that they have like these forge masters that put together like the armor like they're knights now they're they're not just like a uh, bounty hunters or like a like a knightly sort of like wandering samurai culture that was uh, such a cool detail yeah and to take that a step further from if you watch star wars rebels at all 
um, you get a taste of the Mandalorian and their culture because their armor is a massive deal to them. It's sacred. Um, mm-hmm. It's passed down through clan families. So your comparison to samurai, I think, is almost spot on. They're very honorable. They live by a code and a creed. Um, we kind of learn about the creed uh, way later. Minor spoiler. Um, uh, maybe minor spoiler for just episode-wise. But the armor is just much more than you know armor to basically be indestructible against lightsabers, blasters, what have you. Um, it, it, it's a huge deal. Yep. And obviously it's not touched on a lot initially with this, but there's references to the armor and um, the, our second powerful catchphrase of the Mandalorian comes in. This is the way. And my uh, fiance actually got me a shirt with that because that's what I would say a lot. This is the way. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we're in the store and I grab the those bag of Cheetos and she's like, Do you really need those Cheetos, honey? And I'm like, This is the way. So it's very it's a very handy <laughs> you phrase. Stick your belly out as far as possible. <laughs> and you're like, This is the way. It's it's, it's a very <laughs> handy phrase until you get clapped back with put him back, I have spoken. So <laughs> Trump know, card. It certainly works. Uno reverse. It certainly works sometimes but you got to be very strategic with it. But this is where we kind of learn, you know, as a funny note, it's a lot of fun to say, um, but it's kind of a, a very serious statement said by the Mandalorians within their little alcove here. Um, they're discussing armor. They're discussing, uh, you know, the, the way they're, they're kind of living life currently as it is. And everybody responds within in unison, you, uh, in unison, unison, unison. Wow. Why what can't I say try- that? Word? What happened to you? What are you trying to say? I don't say? know. I just brain farted. Unison? Uh, yes, unison. They all say it together. Oh. This is the way. So just kind of, yeah, okay. Look, I had a good joke and then I brain fart the serious. It's what I do. Um oh, but brutal. this is where and this is this it's this interaction with the armor forger where Mando decides to go back on what he did and giving up baby yoda basically saying an enemy helped me live i don't think it understood that mm-hmm. i didn't earn this beskar honorably right and you know essentially in less confusing terms the armor forger says well go do you know go be honorable like what are you going to do about it because here it is and he says okay i'm going to make it right essentially this is the way and he goes back up and this is awesome. I love this part because they go in and they fight and Mando goes back to the Imperials. This is where the shooting begins. And it's awesome. Yeah. The gunfight, the gun battle. Um gun battle. with the stormtroopers. Uh I think they they still are not very good at aiming. I think a still couple of not. them tag them, yeah. which is like, oh. Yeah, it's like, hey, bonus, you you kind of hit him here, but not great. But this is just where you see the skill of the Mandalorians and the fighting. And the whole reason this episode is called The Sin is he goes back on what you're supposed to do as a bounty hunter and goes back for his quarry. Goes back against the employer to go... Mm grab baby Mm. yoda 
up out that fire and save his life because that's the way that this is the way that's the way you got to do it yeah this it's a great phrase dude yeah you'll love you'll (laughs) love uh using that um hey cowboy but i'm pulling the reins dude okay whoa boy whoa this is why i i wanted to make sure we pointed out the the genius little moment where uh baby yoda tries to play with the little with the top of that steering implement, that little round uh, ball at the top. I just, I loved how they set that up to where he's almost at the point of leaving the system, putting it all behind him. And he goes to reach for that steering uh, implement and the ball is missing. And he remembers, it just floods back into him. And if like, especially with a character that can't show his face to write the show in such a way where you can elicit and just such an understandable, heavy moment from just uh, a really basic uh, scene. It's, I, I was really impressed. I, I got to point out that uh, I love that he just runs up to like the, the sentry droid and just rips the eyeball out of the wall. Yes. And the, the way, the way it <laughs> dies, like, ah! just really good. It dies the way you would think you would die. If your the eyeball was ripped out. out. Exactly. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'd probably do the same thing if that happened to me. I think that's, I think that's all I had to say about that part uh, specifically. Um, I will say, because uh, we've been gushing so far, pretty much exclusively, I will say, Dr. Pershing, um, I thought he was going to play a bigger role. Yeah, I, honestly, I didn't know who that was. It kind of looks like the pilot from Rogue One. I won't lie. Oh, yeah. Like, At least actor-wise. You mean actor-wise. Po, like Poe Dameron, like Oscar Isaac? Uh, no, 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 no. The, the pilot in, oh, in Rogue, Rogue One. One. I'm sorry, um, Rogue One, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I, uh, you know, just like the way he was talking about the child, like he had a different angle, like he kind of respected the species as uh, he, he seemed to be a, more, have more of a heart than uh, the client did. Uh, by the way, you referred to the client as uh, an imperialist earlier, and I, I hate you forever for saying imperialist uh, instead of imperial. You're dead to me. I hate you. Uh, this is the last episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm going to go murder Austin. Uh, yeah, but I think, Oops. I think some of the tactics that they showed, cause mostly Star Wars, it, it's a lot of pretty classic action scenes. Uh, they're out there in the open. It's very heroic. They're doing a lot of really dangerous, ill-advised things, but the Mandalorian, uh, truly moves and fights in a completely different way than, uh, other characters that we've seen in the Star Wars, you know, cinematic universe. Uh, he's being very tactical. He's, you know, going lights out. He's sneaking around. Um, I thought that was really a really nice touch to kind of separate him from the standard fare of, you know, action hero that we've seen in Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, no lightsaber, no jumping in, guns blazing. Yeah. The, the plan fails and you just got to shoot your way out, which he does. But I agree. Um, the more tactful uh, he is a professional bounty hunter. He's a prof- I mean, he is a professional and he is able to kind of be able to do this job, so to speak, uh, in a manner that it's not like a huge ruckus. So he acquires Baby Yoda back, um, blasts his way through, and then next thing you know, the guild is back. Um, and they all have him surrounded because everybody had, I think there's a flashback um, to earlier in the episode or earlier in the series where he's asking how many people have this puck and he says, everybody does. Everybody had one. So essentially baby Yoda back on the market for the bounty hunters. 
and guess what? It's right there. So, so another cool scene, I think, essentially, I don't think the Mandalorians initially in the alcove agreed with what he was doing. Um, obviously, he had the run-in with, like, the big buffer-looking one. Yeah. So he gets onto a droid cart. The droid gets blasted. And he's kind of stuck. He's pinned down. It kind of looks like Baby Yoda's about to do some crazy Force stuff um, because everybody's kind of closing in on him. And actually, the opposite happens. And the Mandalorians come out of nowhere with jetpacks, which we're all pretty familiar with, machine guns blazing. Um, and they tell him to go. You know, this is the way. Go oh, save so the child. Good, so good, um, and it's awesome. Oh, it's yes, stuff, it is so awesome. Stuff dreams are made of, Austin. Ugh. That scene, dude. That scene. I was like, they get it. When I saw the Mandalorians come in on the rising phoenixes and uh, just lay waste to like the lesser, uh, the lesser mercenaries, I was like, this is exactly what we wanted to see. When you showed all those Mandalorians that were just decked out earlier uh, in their secret covert, I was like, we better see these guys fight. And guess what? We see them fight. And we see them not only we see them use their their group swarm tactics. They come in from the sky. They're lighting people up from every direction. It's it's just they get it. They get what you want to see out of these characters. Uh, There's no question that they have the best interests of the, the fans in mind. And I really I mean, so. Paz Vizla is the uh, the name of the mercenary or the the heavy uh, Mandalorian, the the guy with like the the uh, the giant the giant laser machine gun. Um, the way that they resolved their conflict, you know, they had their little fight and they kind of made up like bros. And then I don't know, like they're they had their disagreement, but they're still part of uh, the Mandalorian path. I mean, th- this is the way they they know what's at stake. They know that they are part of something greater than them. And you know, the way that they just understood that in that moment and they kind of like both bit their tongue they knew what they had to do that was that's where i really i really knew that the the lore for the mandalorians that had been written for this series was well thought out that's where it was kind of cemented for me that this was going to be a groundbreaking installment in the star wars saga you know i just i don't know i just knew it um but yeah sorry continue carl weathers time yeah, and that's where he blips up right at the end um understands where mando's going on the ship and, uh, yeah, uh, whatever you're trying to do doesn't end up working. He gets left in the dust by Mando. Doesn't get killed, but uh, doesn't stop him either. And Mando's able to get away with Baby Yoda, and all is good and right in the entire world. And that's what we love. <laughs> um, which leads us to our final episode of the this episode. So episode Inception, if you will. Episode four, chapter four, rather the san- or not the sanctuary, but it's called sanctuary. Yep. And this is where we get another infusion of some more, not only awesome Baby Yoda content. Well, actually, a ton of good Baby Yoda content, mm-hmm. but some vision of original trilogy um, with the Empire still being around in the Rebel Shock Trooper that we meet. But before right. that. Mando's trying to plot a course, and this is where we have a very strong meme enter the universe. Baby Yoda pressing buttons on the ship, making it vibrate. Um, He pushes buttons. Mando turns it off. He turns it back on, turns it back off, which I have absolutely loved. What a good idea. 
music that people have <laughs> implemented into that. My favorite one being a Lil John song. Um, get low. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. It was. My get favorite low. was uh, was disturbed. <laughs> Uh, get down with the sickness. Oh, that, oh, I bet that's a good one too. Let me ask you a so, really quick shout question. Shout out to everyone. <laughs> Let me ask yeah. you a really quick question. Did they know what they were doing there? Did they know that that was going to be like memeable? I mean, John Favreau is so just feels like plugged in, not only to the story, the lore, everything, but to the audience. I think he just has this overwhelming understanding of what, you know, what is kind of asked and needed for this show because I think. He, I mean, I think he he obviously knew that the Skywalker saga was coming to an end in this year. How do I make sure that my show is relevant and and connects and stays alive when the big you know the big dog closes its doors? And I, I mean, obviously, he's done a fantastic job. And it's that comic relief. It's that constant comic relief that we see. We had a pretty serious episode that we learned a lot. Mm-hmm. The previous, you know, the previous showing in episode three with the turning over of Baby Yoda, the talk in the alcove with the Mandalorians. This is the way. That was all very serious. Um, you know, the interaction at the very end, the shootout. There was not a lot of comic yeah. relief, and it kind of just makes its entrance immediately in episode four, but also later on too because he finds a planet which gets introed before i guess mando and baby yoda goofing around in the ship yep um you know ship goofing <laughs> ship goofing yeah it's this farm community that's attacked by raiders mm-hmm. essentially and on this planet and and that's where mando eventually lands it's kind of oh three things come to a head here so we've got farmers that understand a ship's landing so they start traveling towards them which we find out later mando finds this planet that's pretty desolate no major cities or ports and then um what he thinks excuse me is another bounty hunter he's like oh no gets into a massive fight with what we find is a former rebel drop trooper or drop shock trooper basically a special forces rebel trooper and she is a she's a badass and they're rolling around in the dirt fighting and Basically, we get our one of, you know, another awesome baby Yoda meme with the cup of soup. And he's just, chill, you know, he's sitting there with it and he's watching him fight. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's like Kermit with the tea, you know, mine and my own business yeah. kind of a thing. And he's just I mean, there. I, so it's it's divine, dude. I don't know what other word I could use. It's just they you know what? I'm not even going to say it, I think I, I know I know that they knew what they had. I think they perfectly understood what they had with baby Yoda and they were like, hell yeah. Like, let's just like put in like undeniable, like, acute shots of him as much as possible. Um, and I'm glad they did. They, oh, yeah. they, and they we killed get it. it in this episode so much. They killed it. Oh my gosh. Episode. episode four <laughs> is baby Yoda's episode. So basically the, re- what's the rebel Care shock dude. troopers naming? I'm so bad with names. Care Care dude. Uh, Care dude, that's C A R A D U N E. She's a uh, a dropper, which is the colloquial term for the rebel drop shock trooper, uh, which is uh, detailed by the, uh, the series of rectangles uh, that circle around her right arm uh, that kind of uh, signify her as a dropper. 
All right. Yeah, you're welcome. Yes, the Rebel Drop Trooper. Get cultured. And Mando essentially agree to come to this village. It's isolated. They're both trying to lay low, and they go to find out what this village is all about. And this is where we get a little bit of the romance. Bing bong. Just a little bit, though. Um, not that it means too, too much, but we, we come in. The mother and daughter that are shown at the very beginning of the episode, which I thought was a Mando flashback because we've seen that a couple times of uh, him presumably running with his parents while under fire, uh, but it's not. And they get to this village and there's this instant connection between mom and Mando. I thought it was going to be Rebel Trooper and Mando a little because you're like, badass and badass but obviously that's not their styles but we get introduced to this character and uh really uh, her daughter a little bit and we just continue to get awesome baby yoda content because baby yoda gets to hang out with the kids shows them how to eat frogs which is hilarious you eat frog whole uh not just the legs uh everything whole gotta swallow it um it's like a one big pill of frog a frog pill (laughs) We find out that they're being terrorized by these raiders and Mando and the shock trooper go out, uh, basically kind of understand their opponent um, as any good soldier would do. And they find out that there is a big problem. And quite literally, I mean, big, 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 like two legged metal, big blaster, big, big problem. Yes. Big uh, droid boy. ATST. Um, and Ooh. actually, uh, Again, you know, to play devil's advocate here, I had I had a hard. Did I get that right? What? ATST. It's it an is. ATST, right? I'll give you a thousand dollars if you can tell me what ATST stands for. Uh, all terrain strike. I don't know. That's Dude, I got, got really nervous that I was going to owe you a thousand dollars. It's all terrain <laughs> scout transport, which which ah. doesn't make a ton of sense to call it a transport because it's a scouting vehicle. So, like, why would that be called a transport? Anyway, uh, yeah, it's a droid ATST, which is the first time we've really seen a droid-controlled sort of like artificial intelligence ATST. Um, I will say I had a little bit of trouble understanding it as a droid, only because there was nothing about it that really indicated that it had like an artificial intelligence because it still had like the portholes where you know a human pilot would be, and that seemed to be empty. I mean, it had like the ominous red light, which was kind of cool, but. Um, I, I had trouble seeing it as a droid. I, I thought maybe it should have had some sort of um, exterior machinery or something to like an antenna, something to indicate that it was that that was a little hard to understand. But yeah, well, that's actually really interesting that you say that because I had no idea that it was droid controlled. Like until like this until like this point right now to this very second right See? now. See, okay, so it wasn't it was an issue. That's like a huge issue. Um, I mean. Not like episode breaking issue, but it's just it's nice to know those things because typically I'm sure you were wondering like where are the pilots like what are what are they doing this whole time like what's going on with them like why are they like playing chicken with the water well well it was like it was before that I was like is it oh it's a big issue that this thing's here it's like well why don't you just kill the pilots right issue issue solved right but um so no that actually it makes a lot more sense of why. They were doing everything that they were doing. Wow. Okay. Um, essentially, they find out this ATST is there, and they're like, "You didn't tell us about this. I've seen it zap people, an entire platoon of troopers. Um, this thing's not to be messed with. We can't do it alone. Uh, you guys are toast." 
and Mando kind of has a soft heart and says, what if we train these townspeople? And this is where I kind of wish there was more like, who is this mystery woman mm-hmm. that is a dead eye? She's the only one that could shoot. Everyone's trying to shoot pots and pans with the blasters. And she's just like pinging this thing over and over and over again. And you're like, who is this woman? Like, what's your backstory lady? Are we going to get that this episode? Which yeah, We'll, we'll, I, we'll, we'll break that down in a second, but they train them. They dig a deep hole in the fish pond or whatever. Uh, they build barricades to kind of basically funnel this thing into them. They teach some of the people to shoot and uh, use spears, which I feel like is pretty self-explanatory, pointy end to the bad guy. But it's okay, I guess, to to you know get a lesson on that part. Mando and I'm going to say what it's Care... Cara Dune. Care... Kara Dune, call her Kara. How about Kara? It is Kara. Kara's easy. That's what I keep saying is Kara. Oh, Kara. Oh, okay, perfect. Kara Cynthia is her full name, though, if you want to say that. No, I don't. <laughs> Kara and Mando go off into the night to the base to spring the trap. Um, They're going to detonate, mm-hmm. I guess, the the camp with the liquid. I don't know what the liquid is, Um, so maybe Connor can. Bruh! Dude, they're brewing. They're making that sweet, oh, it, sweet I liquor. Was like, I thought it was like beer. So or, yeah, I was it was like, oh, it was it was a, 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 a beer. An alcoholic imbibement of some sort. I don't know if it was liquor. I think it was beer. But yeah, dude, they're just out there brewing. They're starting okay. like an IPA company called Blue Shrimp. <laughs> they're uh, just trying like, to make a living like everyone it's else. It's a really hoppy IPA. Uh, it's super fruit forward. <laughs> it's got a really, really mild hoppy flavor, but it kind of tapers off into sort of a creamier stout like flavor it's really good hey who are these guys ah! 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 exactly yeah that he's just like man i'm so happy i get a start a <laughs> brewing company with my best bros and while we kind of had to get here in a, a way i didn't like we're, yeah. we're established we're brewing and oh hello do you guys want to try some <laughs> yeah hey guys dead. uh like like the day before he was like hey guys like uh you guys kind of told me that we were going to come out here and start our brewing company and you guys have been like killing people and like i just want you guys <laughs> to know that that's like not chill with me and like <laughs> <laughs> they spring the trap uh they run back to the village with the atst in tow and then we get the tension filled moment where it doesn't immediately step into the water um and you're like oh no everyone's gonna get vaporized and we're all gonna feel real bad about it but uh no that actually doesn't happen um kara basically lures the atst by jumping into a puddle with mando's rifle and firing at it um Mm -hmm. you know gets into one of the portholes i would say draws it into the puddle and down she goes Mandel blows it up with his trusty set of detonators that he always has just like an infinite number of them until later episodes where he actually runs yep. out. But uh, typically he has an infinite supply of them and just produces them out of his packs. armor packs, yep. which is like maybe a video game, not who knows, but <laughs> takes it down and uh, all seems well. The villagers get to continue farming their fish. You know, it's isolated. We're getting this romance. Kara's like, yo, why don't you take off this helmet and settle down with that cute mom? And Mandel's like, man, I don't know. Kara's like, yo, look at baby Yoda. Super happy here with all these kids. You can just take your helmet off and stop that. And he's like, man, but I'm just a drifter. We get some more so, hints there too. 
he expands a little bit more on the what like the level and the how dramatic of a technicality it is to take your helmet off. It's not just like a, oh, like don't do it. It's it's like do it when you're out. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, if no one sees me without this, if they do, I can't ever put this back on, which alludes to I can't ever be who I am ever again. Yeah, which is a, a pretty big deal. Um, and then the suspense point comes in. A bounty hunter has seems to have found them on this planet. And Mando's talking to the mom saying, will you take care of him? I'm probably going to leave him. And, I'll, you know, we're all tore up about it. We're like, no, the family that's tagged together has to break apart. Mando, why don't you just stay with this cute mom and be a cool dad? And this bounty hunter is sneaking up, zooms in on Mando. But the better target is Baby Yoda, zooms in, and a blaster sound goes off. Mando's not next to, you know, Mando's not the one that knows. Yeah. The blaster goes off, and you're like, oh my gosh. Um, that People was cool. about to be clapped if Baby Yoda did. Or maybe Baby Yoda caught it with a force. I don't know. Um, maybe, yeah, but that was obviously, cool. uh, Kara found the bounty hunter and zapped him before he could zap our beloved Baby Yoda. And that's the realization everyone kind of has that Baby Yoda will not be safe anywhere. They have to continue to run because of this tracking. Um, there's probably only one way that it's ever going to end, but we can't solve that mystery today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's it. They're, they got to go on the run. And that is the first four episodes yeah, of dude. the new Star Wars show, The Mandalorian, on Disney+. Plus. It is freaking awesome. I would say, I guess my only, well, now what, knowing what I know now, but knowing what yeah, I Yeah, dude, then, you watched like, a completely I, different episode. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Um, I think the only thing I had just as a whole was I was kind of, at that point, I'm like, man, why don't they just develop some characters a little bit? But now I understand why they didn't. At the time, as just like, who's this woman? Yeah, no, I agree. awesome. Man. Don't know about her. Okay, Shock Trooper, she's awesome. Tell us about you. Is there going to be some history lessons? Right. No. At least not no. at the time. Yeah. Right. So it's just like, what, that was probably one of the things, like, these episodes tie in, but don't tie in. So you could almost, like, tune in almost at any point, as long as, you, every, I mean, at this time, you probably everyone knew about Baby Yoda because everyone was talking about it. Um, so you just tune yeah. in and be like, oh yeah, that's baby Yoda. That's, uh, I know, I know him. We're friends. Yeah. I, um, I, I want to, I want to echo, I want to echo what you were, uh, what you were saying about, I believe her name is Omara, by the way, the lady from the, the, the town. So I like looking back, I, 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 I think we can pretty much inference that her skills and like, you know, her, her overall competence with weapons, that was just a device for us to know that she's like in a weird way, compatible with Mando in a way that will like almost justify him staying here. Um, but that's kind of okay, a tease. Yeah, it's kind sense. of a tease because it's such a cool, I don't know. She just seems like such a cool character. And I, I, I totally agree with you. I'm hoping that they kind of rectify that. I'm making a prediction right now that okay. at the end of the Mandalorian series, if Mando makes it through the entire thing, the last shot is going to be him heading back to that planet with the blue shrimp, grabbing a blue uh, IPA from the bar and sitting down next to that lady and being like, yo, what's up? And he takes his helmet off. Bam. That's how it ends. Woo! Hot take! That is a hot take! 
hot take Woo! that is way, way, way out there. Um, okay, up. But everybody, add to that. Will be and fun. at this point, <laughs> at okay. this point in oh the boy. show, check this out. Check this out. At this point in the show, Baby Yoda is a teenager, and he's gonna be playing like a handheld gaming device in the background, and he's gonna like sigh when <laughs> he's gonna be like, "Ugh, get a room." <laughs> So basically, kind of like like uh, like Baby Groot, Teen Baby Groot in the Marvel. Oh, series. you're right. I did just lift that from Guardians of the Galaxy, didn't I? Yeah, you're you're unoriginal, unoriginal. bro. Unoriginal. All right, that doesn't happen. All right, well, it's the last episode, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. This. So you're right, though. This episode was kind of like uh, a, a one-off in a way. It didn't advance the overall plot too much, but I mean, we did get to meet Kara, which Gina Carano wow. turned out to be big. What a what a giant character! So cool. For those of you uh, who didn't know, Gina Carano is some say the earliest face of women's MMA. Uh, she was there before Ronda Rousey, before Holly Holm. Very accomplished MMA fighter. Uh, in fact, she was going to fight in the UFC, and she basically would have been Ronda Rousey uh, if she not if it didn't fall through the deal. Uh, she had she had like a spat with uh, Dana White, you know. Anyway. Uh, so she really is, uh, she kind of had her own life before, uh, being part of the show. And she actually has been an actress for a decent amount of time. So I, I'm just so psyched to see her as part of the show and that she's doing her own stunts. And I, I, to me, she just makes all the choreography so much better because she actually knows what she's doing. Um, very cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, man, this, this show, uh, one thing I wanted to say about this episode, fun fact, last fun fact of the episode, this is kind of this entire story at this town teaching them how to fight the townspeople how to fight this is all based on a movie from 1958 uh 1956 actually sorry called seven samurai and that's kind of funny because we were talking about samurai earlier it's the same sort of character it's this ronin this wandering samurai who has to help a town of uh basically peasants villagers normal people uh fight with sharpened sticks like literally sharpened sticks uh so to see that reference to the ronin genre uh it's kind of cool. They know where the DNA for Mando's character kind of comes from. And uh, I was very happy that John Favreau uh, decided to kind of include that. Yeah, man, this, uh, the Mandalorian, I'm, I'm, right. I'm so into it. And at the end of episode four, I was completely hooked. So I'm excited yeah, to talk about the latter half. Yeah. So that is it. Uh, that was the deep dweeb dive the mandalorian first four episodes like i said we'll be concluding that on our next recording um and we'll be diving in not only i mean not just disney stuff we'll be doing star wars because uh rise of skywalker because it does come after this um and then obviously i'm pretty excited to talk about the witcher because I am late to the Witcher scene. I, you know, obviously it's a novel and game series. Um, and I jumped on the scene in the third game installment, but without getting on too big of a tangent, I know that you're a big Witcher guy. So really excited big. to hear you uh, talk about that stuff. When we get there, I've been watching it. It's freaking awesome. Love everything about it. But like I said, won't tangent off that too, too far. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed the episode, uh, had some fun, learned some new things like I did tonight, and we hope that you are able to strap on, strap in, and continue the dweeb deep dives. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. <laughs> you say strap on. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Dweeb Dive. If you liked what you heard, please, please, please like and give us a follow so we can continue diving into your favorite topics. There's been a lot of hot takes. There's been a lot of claims, a lot of references to the deep lore. If you have a question, a comment, feedback, you're angry with me for something perhaps inaccurate I said, which is very likely, please do not hesitate to reach out on our accounts and ask us the big questions. We would love to hear from you. Thanks, guys.